Hello and welcome to Henderson's latest podcast. My name is Ross Clark and I'm a partner in the GP team. This is one of a series of primary care podcasts we're producing in 2020 and this short 15-minute podcast will cover the commissioning of primary care. Most commissioning is uh, now carried out by CCGs under delegated authority from um, NHS England. And this role has become more involved and more complex of late due to a number of factors. And we'll consider a few of those uh, in this podcast. First of all, um, the introduction of PCNs and more particularly the uh, latest uh, contract death specification 2020-21. The additional powers given to CCGs uh, now include power to require PCN to accept a practice into the network, uh, having the final say to determine whether a PCN can expel a, a core network practice member from the network, um, requiring CCG consent for any merger or split of practices, uh, operating a bid process for unallocated uh, funding for the additional roles reimbursement scheme, uh, and ensuring that care homes are aligned to a single PCN. They're also given an important role in if there's a breach of, of one of the death specifications by a PCN or one of its practices. Now, although CCGs will first of all be required to try and agree a collaborative action plan with the PCNs, and, and whilst the CCGs are not expected to, it is actually accepted that they may ultimately need to issue a breach or remedial notice um, to the practice, which, which could ultimately end up in the GMS contract being terminated. Now, that's unlikely, but it, but it, but it is quite an important step that um, ultimately that, that, that's the, the, the role of the CCG in terms of the death specifications. So as you can see from that, they, they've been given quite a lot of um, wide ranging extensive powers in terms of pulling together uh, and maintaining uh, PCNs. Now, another common theme we're seeing in, in the Commission of Primary Care is um, applications for variation or innovation of GMS contract or PMS agreements. Um, this, this primarily arises from sort of corporate entities or the desire for practices to incorporate and for corporate entities looking to take over uh, practices. Some of these are sort of corporate acquirers wanting to get into the GP world, which is quite common in the dental sector, um, even although it's quite a similar sector with, with GDS and GMS contracts. But actually, it's hard to, 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 to make an acquisition of a GP practice by, by a corporate entity um, uh, in, in primary GP care. Uh, other aspects of that have been GP provider companies where uh, there's been a failing practice in the area and the GPPO and indeed the practices want the GPPO to take over the um, failing practice, but the CCG has found that difficult to deal with. Now, the, the, the issue here is that the um, requirements for who you can hold a GMS contract by accident or design are very tightly drafted and you can only hold uh, a GMS contract if you're a sole practitioner uh, you're a partnership and it must be a partnership of individuals but a limited company a company limited by shares can hold a gms and that surprises a lot of people but it is in the nhs act uh, in terms of the entitlement and eligibility to hold a gms contract and that's been around for a long time and gps haven't realized that they thought oh we like we'd like limited liability why can't we use one of these vehicles the the the, the ability to do so has all has been there now a, a, a common application for variation or innovation of a contract is to uh, add a corporate entity in as a partner to a partnership. And as I said, a partnership in terms of eligibility to hold a GMS must be a partnership of individuals. So that is not possible 
but I have seen it happen across the country. There has been certain CCGs that have admitted a corporate entity into a partnership and have in fact insisted that that's the way that they're happy to vary the contract. But actually there's dangers with that and um, you know the, the, the risk is not just that the contract could be void. Um, there's a knock-on effect on NHS pensions because NHS pension eligibility is linked to access uh, eligibility to all the GMS contract and there's a risk that you could lose um, uh, entitlement for employees to NHS pensions. And that has actually happened in one part of the country where a, um, uh, the contracts weren't varied properly, they weren't transferred in. And as a result, the, there was a question as to whether the staff had NHS uh, pensions access, which, which, which is such an important issue. You do need to get the right advice and make sure um, that that's covered if you're looking at shifting GMS into a corporate entity. So there's been a lot of discussion around that, but actually, there, there is a solution within the um, version two of the NHS England's policy and guidance manual that was published about, I think it was late um, 2018, early 2019, because for the first time that actually specifically provided for practice incorporations. Now, it doesn't enable a corporate entity such as a GPPO or, or a corporate acquirer, and there's a few of those out there that, that, that have tried to get into acquired practices, to simply come along and say, we'll acquire a practice. It's quite specific. It enables the partners of a practice to apply to incorporate. And the requirement there is you can set up a company, but the shareholders in the company must be the partners of the practice and only the partners of the practice and they must hold the shares broadly in equivalent proportions to how they, they, they are holding shares in the partnership so it's a replication of the partnership with the same people in the same shares and there is a requirement usually put in that you can't change control after that without consent so you can't then sell the shares on to somebody else uh, and, 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 and pass on the corporate entity in that way. But there is an ability for practices to incorporate through that, and that, that, that's an interesting, and we've seen more and more applications to CCGs, and we've been advising CCGs on the requirements of the policy and guidance manual in terms of um, practice incorporations. But the whole issue of incorporation is live, particularly because primary care networks now are also wanting to use a corporate vehicle as well to sit alongside their network. and can they can they be a member of the network alongside the practices and and so there's a lot of issues that ccgs are dealing with around incorporations just now they're also looking at a lot of caretaker arrangements now sadly i, I i've dealt with two that have arisen from covid where gps uh, or, or or gps partners have died as a result of covid in the two cases i dealt with there was there was sole practitioners who 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 died and the ccg needed to put in place caretaker arrangements to get another practice in place so it, it's pretty fast and it's it's it's, it's pretty um, pretty important to try and get somebody in place quickly and uh, first of all the ccg needs to identify a suitable practice then you need the caretaking contract. What they tend to do is do sort of heads of terms um, whereby they agree some key principles to allow the practice to get in and get running the, 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 the uh, practice and then agree that, that a sort of APMS contract usually for a period of X months, you know, six months or a year in the case I dealt with recently is then put in place. Now, there's some important issues for practices in this. 
because it's not just acquiring the contract they need to access the premises and if there's a landlord there's, there can be some issues around that about accessing that and agreeing a lease or a license of occupy to um get access to the premises as well as you know running the practice and having a caretaker care contract from the ccg another key consideration is the staff because when a caretaker steps in to take over a practice they will effectively acquire the staff under what's called CHUPI, the Transfer of Undertakings Protection of Employment Regulations. Now, you may be familiar with them, but if not, anytime there's a transfer of an undertaking, so a practice, if you acquired a practice, you'd be taking on the practice. And that's analogous to a caretaker where you step in to run a practice. You end up being the employer of those employees and liable for them. And that's a dangerous position. So if, if you're a practice thinking about a caretaker arrangement, you need to put in place provisions with the CCG where you're looking to get an indemnity from them against the costs that, 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 that um, would be incurred by you as employer, um, particularly if the caretaker contract comes to an end after a short period of time. And it's a question of redundancies. So those are some of the key issues that arise around uh, caretaker contracts and caretaker arrangements. And, and we have seen quite a few of those uh, recently for various reasons. Uh, another area that CCGs are often drawn into or try to be drawn into is, is partnership disputes. And we've seen a lot of those in the past few months with the additional pressures, with COVID, with, with, with all kinds of things developing and putting pressure on practice. Now, they're, they're, the approach by CCGs generally is they don't want to get involved and they try to let the partners resolve the issue between themselves. But ultimately, if it risks patient safety, if it risks the financial viability of the uh, um, practice itself, they will start to get involved. And I've been involved in cases where um, breach and remedial notices have been served. And ultimately, on one dispute, we actually got to the day that um, the uh, contract was potentially going to be terminated by the um, primary care committee of the CCG uh, and it was on the morning of the day of that meeting that uh, a settlement agreement was finally signed. So that one went right down to the wire which wasn't very comfortable but um, it, for CCGs it, it is becoming more problematic as especially with sole practitioners and smaller practices that are under pressure and, and struggle. Now PCNs might provide a good solution to that by having sort of a network of, of, of practices that can help each other. But that's certainly been an important aspect of commissioning primary care recently. So I hope that's given you a flavour of some of the issues that um, CCGs are facing in commissioning primary care and also the practices uh, are facing as well. Uh, now, if you've got any questions or like to know any more about this particular topic, you can find my contact details and those of my colleagues and, and some other podcasts on the Hempsons website, www.hempsons.co.uk. Or please feel free to call me. My number is 01423 That's 01423 My name again is Ross Clark. Now, finally, I just need to say that this podcast includes opinions and interpretations which we consider correct at the time of recording, but you can rely on them and you need to take legal advice on your own particular situation. So thank you for your time listening to this and, uh, uh, and please do listen to some of our other podcasts as well. Thank you now. Bye-bye.